Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. Today I am joined by Adam Katz, who is the creative lead at uh, Google Creative Lab. Uh, Adam, thank you so much for joining me, man. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it and happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, you've been at Google for the past five years, uh, six months. You taught at SVA, Cornell. I uh, worked at Interbrand, a whole bunch of amazing, awesome jobs. So tell me about uh, your journey. Um, you know, how did you discover that you wanted to work in the field of design and, and be a, a creative professional? And, uh, you know, you kind of like you're landing your first gig and kind of the journey leading up to Google. <clears throat> sure. Well, we'll start. If you want to, I can start all the way way back when I was all the way in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. That's always so interesting. It often says a lot about. Yeah. Um, when I was about eight years old, nine years old, um, I loved to draw. I was always really good at that. Um, I really was into drawing like sports figures and sports cards and I collected those things and always paid attention to like the nicer design ones. But I think the way that I kind of realized that I wanted to do something with design, um, came from actually music and CDs. Um, I was a member of, I doubt most of you guys who are listening to this probably remember this, but, uh, an area or a company called BMG. Um, which was like eight CDs for one cent or like 12 CDs for one dollar. Um, I used to do this with my brother and we used to order all kinds of CDs and we ordered a lot of ones that had parental advisory stickers on them. Oh, yeah. And my mom did not allow that. So what I got really good at was cutting those stickers out and then replicating the cover and redesigning it basically a little bit. Um, That's so through- cool. Through markers and colored pencils and paint and stuff like that. And it really kind of like I remember just pulling out CDs and reading the liner notes and realizing that like somebody actually made this thing. Somebody actually really took the time to go through with that. And that's what kind of like made me realize that maybe there's a job in doing something with this. Um, So I guess you could fast forward a bunch of years, like 10 years basically to when I kind of went to college. Um, I went to Syracuse University for undergraduate. Um, and I originally went for painting and kind of quickly realized that I was more interested in painting type and things like that than I was an actual, uh, painting of figures and things like that. So I kind of found by luck, the communications design degree there, um, and realized, oh, wow, this is actually an area where I could actually make visuals, make things and quite possibly get paid for them. There seems to be a good amount of jobs in this area. Um, so went into that, uh, and really kind of like fell in my love uh, with design, which I think part of the problem when I came out of school was that I wasn't really sure what area of design I loved. Um, I did a lot of exhibition design actually when I was in college. I was really into that, building models and signage and things like that. Yeah, um, same here. Yeah, it's it's really fun and it's it teaches you a lot about the craft of how you kind of like put things together, or put packages and things like that together. Right. Um, and so I, I really got into that and I decided I just kind of wanted to go off and I took the very first job that kind of came to me, um, which was a bit of a mistake, uh, which was out in Chicago because I didn't think I wanted to come to New York because I thought New York was too crazy, too hectic. Um, so I took a job in Chicago and kind of bounced around to a few jobs out there that were more in like advertising um, and kind of quickly learned that that part of design wasn't really for me. I really wanted to make things for people and I wanted to make things that I really felt good and felt like we're it's not that all advertising isn't creating things that are good in the world but it just it didn't really speak to me about like where my passions are um so i came to new york uh i worked in a couple design firms here i did some packaging at uh johnson and johnson mm-hmm. um i did some more traditional print and kind of signage and things like that at a place called russell design 
Um, and then I also did a stint at Interbrand, which was more about like big brands and doing logo systems and things like that. So I learned a lot about kind of what goes into these various places. Um, and I kind of was getting a little frustrated with myself, uh, with the process of how things kind of go. So I, I decided I'm getting probably all my years wrong, but maybe in 2010 or 2011, um, to apply to the school of visual arts to their department, uh, the designer as author designer as designer as entrepreneur with Steve Heller. Yeah. Um, Steve has actually been on the podcast before. I love Steve. He's the best. He can talk your ear off definitely for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy to have it happen. He's, he's so smart. It was good. Yeah, he's so, so smart. Um, so I went back and was fortunate enough to get into that school and went back and did my master's there. And it really taught me a lot about like some of the frustrations that I was having with the process of design, which is like doing traditional print design and doing traditional package design, which are great. And I really love those areas, but they were a little too slow moving about how things get made and right. kind of there. And I kind of found my love of like digital design in general and making things uh, for the web and for mobile. And like these worlds were just becoming more and more exciting to me. Um, and kind of deep down in my head, I, I had the idea that I really wanted to work at a place that was making things for a large scale of people, for a massive audience, um, and making things that really matter to people. Right. And kind of realized that Google is one of those places that was definitely top of mind that was doing these things and, and doing really cool things um, yeah. for you know, you know uh, the entire world rather than just like a tiny audience right. or smaller audience. Heather Leopold said that on her podcast. I thought that was, that was a really great insight. You know, she was like crushing it at like some of the like the biggest agencies and you know working at like places like huge and doing really great work and then uh you know when she talked about going to google what she loved about it was she was working because i had mentioned you know i said that i use gboard like all the time and i use the functionality of google um yeah. like i use it in my day-to-day -day life and she said that you know she's really happy to hear that because that's why she went to google because rather than working on behalf of the client which is rewarding she was working for like the user which is a very yeah. important distinction and why a lot, you know, why a lot of people I would assume want to work at a place like Google. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I, I like when people ask me why I do what I do or like what drives me, um, it's a really dumb statement, but making things for people is always the like mantra that I kind of believe in. Um, yeah. and making things for people that matter. Uh, and I really firmly believe in not to like you know, sell the company like that. But I really do believe that a lot of kids the looking for a raise. That, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of, a lot of the products that, uh, this company makes such as Gmail, such as maps, um, are really game changing and are really like helping people in, in many ways. Yeah. Um, and Raising so those are day. things that, that really led me to this place and really wanted me to get in the door here and make some stuff that really matters and makes a difference to people. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's what, that's like kind of the long, long windy road. It, it took me definitely a while to realize like what area of design I like and what type of company or type of area. Like I, you know, I worked at everything from like a small two person design firm to uh, a bigger agency, like an interbrand or yeah. that has a lot of people. And obviously Google is a company that's one of the biggest in the world and has even more people. But the area that I'm in here is is not massive, which is about the right amount of people that I think is is really important to feel like you're making a difference and you're yeah. being heard. Yeah, it's, it's, it's surprising. Like, um, I think when people hear like Google, you would think that like everyone knows each other. Like I just uh, spoke with uh, Matt Clack. Uh, who's in the California office there. And it's so funny because like, I've realized that you would assume that everyone at Google knows everyone, but uh, actually people work in very tight-knit, intimate teams 
within yeah. a huge company, which I think is really kind of cool because you would think that it's like everyone knows everyone, and I'm sure that like you know a lot of people, but um, what's like an average team size when you're working at Google? Um, I mean, the team that I kind of work very closely with is roughly, I'd say, 10 to 12 people. It's right. kind of on average, but it varies. I mean, we scale up for projects that are bigger. Um, we join forces with other people. It, it's kind of a mixture, but um, we're structured here in the Creative Lab with like 10 to 12 people generally on each team, which is kind of how we we uh, position ourselves within each project. But, um, Google's a really interesting company because most of Google is structured in like a silo. So you're working on typically, uh, you're working on like one specific product. You're working on maps, you're working on docs, you're working on, uh, you know, VR or whatever kind of area you're specifically in. Um, area that, that Heather and myself actually are in is, is called the creative lab is not structured in a silo really. Um, we're kind of like more broadly across all of these things and we're, we have the ability to kind of like work and pick and not necessarily pick and choose all the time, but we're, we're able to pick apart kind of the, the areas that are really affecting the company, which don't specifically sit within one product. They're kind of a cross product right. uh, and affecting all kinds of, of things that are going on within the company. So was that what they me, say like lab? Is that where that comes from? It's basically like you're kind of like in a, like, you know, I hate all like the like, weird terms that like the industry uses, like innovation kitchen, like all those, like, those weird things. But you guys are sort of, I mean, that's kind of like what the creative life, or, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I would assume like that's what it is. Like you guys are kind of innovating new things and kind of yeah. bring new fresh ideas to add to the already existing suite of things in Google or. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I also think um, when our founders kind of like created the creative lab, uh, which is coming up on 10 years, being uh-huh. 10 years old. Um, when they kind of envisioned what it was and, and called it the creative lab, I think they kind of did it because they didn't really know what it was going to be. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and to be honest, that's like kind of how things are on a day to day basis. Like I have no idea how this place is going to be. Um, I, I have an idea of how it's going to be in like a couple months, but I don't really know what it's going to look like next year. I don't know what type of things we're going to be doing. Um, I don't know where our interests may lie or where things may head. Um, yeah. How they said it's like a startup culture there, especially within the creative lab. Yeah, totally. Um, So, I mean, that's what's really exciting and really interesting to me. And I've always been very entrepreneurial with like kind of my thinking and and it's what led me to SVA, you know, to go back to school at SVA in general. But um, I really believe that designers are makers and are like shapers of culture and can really have an influence, not just in um, kind of like entrepreneurial ideas, but also in like societal issues and things like that. Um, and I think one of the sweet spots that we really have, or I've really found at the creative lab is that we, um, there is the ability to go off and do whatever you want to some degree. Um, it's not like a free for all and it's always got to like kind of relate back to whatever Google is doing. Um, but if you do see a hole in things, whether it be something that the company is doing or a hole in, uh, it could be like your daily commuter or problems that you, you kind of find out there. Right. Um, this is a place that is never going to punish you or, and I, I believe most places should, should operate this way that it's never going to be like, no, don't go pursue that issue or try to solve that problem right? Um, because you're a designer and you can't really do anything about it. You need like an engineer or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we have the power really here and, and as designers to really just make things and, and decide kind of the world that we'd like to live in. Yeah. That's amazing. That's going to be so cool. Especially like with Google too. It's like, you know, you work with like while it's like, it might be like a silo, but you have the opportunity to work with so many different talented engineers and it's like very, yeah. it's very cool. I know I have yeah. a long way to go, but, uh, I'm 
like really looking forward to that. And I'm kind of learning to kind of just be patient and take my time and just like pay my dues sort of thing. But, uh, I found like places like Google and Facebook to be so fascinating because it's like, I think a lot of, a lot of companies talk about the future and talk about social issues. And I feel like places like Google and Facebook, I really feel like, you know, like they make, they don't talk about social change. They make social change. They don't talk about the future. They create the future. And I think that's what's so like, so cool about it is that like, you know, you can have an idea and like, this doesn't exist. And like, I think uh, a really cool thing that I might keep going back to this podcast, but uh, it ties in with what we're talking about. Um, You know, like she was saying, like a lot of times it's not like a, like, wow, how did you think of that? But sometimes it's just like an idea that no one thought about and just like bringing that to fruition. That's kind of a cool thing about design and places like Google. So, yeah, Yeah, for sure. Um, I used to have a boss here who used to give a talk about design as like, to try to design things in science fiction or to take, uh, basically had a whole talk. Um, and you can probably find it online. His name was Matt Jones. He did a great talk a while ago at MIT about design and science fiction and and the, the ideas that come out of science fiction or to design in a science fiction realm. Mm -hmm. Um, it is really true. It's like the more you want to see something, uh, or the idea, the way that you want to see things or the way that you want to make things, um, as designers and as people who can make images or make powerful images or powerful ideas, right? Uh, you know, you have the ability, especially at a place like a Google or or a tech company in general, to try to like make that and and inspire. I'd say like the engineers to really get on board and, and take a route. Yeah, um, definitely. Go do something. So, I mean, it, this is still a, an engineering first company. It's it, it will forever be that way. It was founded by two engineers. Um, yeah, I mean, but we're getting more of a design sensibility here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still, you've got to like, uh, I, I think one of the sweet spots of what the Creative Lab does and, and where we're we're really effective as designers and communicators is um, Google makes, Google's an engineering company and Google makes all of these kind of amazing tools or, or things, but they don't always know how to like explain it to the user um, about exactly what it is or how it fits in their life or <laughs> how they can take that and do something unique with it. Um, and what, when the creative lab really works best, I think we are, uh, basically planting that seed in people's heads about, you know, this is what the product is. This is how it works. This is what it could do. And then how you can kind of use it and take it and shape it. Yeah. We're, we're doing a really good job here lately of bringing in more creative techs. Um, and the really good creative techs are also designers. Like I, I'm seeing more of a, of a melding, I'd say a little bit between like designers who can code and coders who can design. Um, and the best ones and the ones that are really succeeding here are like people who understand both. Maybe they're not experts in those worlds. Um, by no means am I a coder, but I understand code and I understand how to like kind of speak about it and some of the limitations and some of the things that can go on. Um, but I think it's really, really great, uh, here in, or just speaking generally about like a, a company that is more engineering focused is like when you have initial idea, um, go take it to, you know, somebody who's a coder and just speak about the limitations. And, um, sometimes that can shift your focus into, you know, the execution could be a little bit different. Um, sometimes it can actually make you, sometimes you, you don't really care that maybe it's not doable and it's more of a vision piece, um, which is still some things that we do here. Um, and those are really important pieces of design because they're things that like, there are things that I was a part of four or five years ago here when I joined that are 
you know, still not achievable basically by things that we've made. Like but, a North Star type situation, like kind of just yeah. like, well, this will be cool and we have the technology to do this. So, and, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that comes from just like designing again, the world that you'd kind of like to see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, which is like a, a little greedy, but like, uh, it, it's cool. Like it's, it's, you know, I think it's also doing research and seeing where things could get better in general in a, in a certain area. But we, we design kind of like the vision or the North star, like you're kind of saying of like mm-hmm. where we expect this thing to go. And we're, we're doing things where they are now that like the, the tech just isn't there yet Yeah. Uh, in some areas. And we're, we still need those designers or those people to be like, well, this is the way that we'd like to see things or the way that things should go. Um, and in a lot of ways or a lot of areas like the, the coders are, or the engineers are kind of referencing those things, uh, years later and being like, well, we should try to make things that are more like this. Um, it takes takes a stake in the ground or it takes that flag basically, uh, or putting that North star up there to get everybody kind of like driven about like where we're, where we're trying to head or where we're trying to go. Yeah, for sure. It's so weird. I was actually just looking the other day um, on uh, Flickr through the ar- the archives um, of like old uh, tech pictures. There's like these really detailed, intricate pictures from like the I guess it would be like the atomic age. Um, mm-hmm. And it's so funny because like they're so old and they were like right on the money with yeah. what the future like, you know, like these like, you know, now we're, we're out of place. Now we're self-driving cars are now becoming a reality. And I think back when they drew those pictures. Like there, like for example, there was one. It was like very creepy. It was like them all sitting around the table and then being on this like monorail type situation, yeah. And like being in the self-driving car and they, like it was like a living room, and yeah. at the time that seemed so outlandish. But they were kind of just like designing in this kind of sci-fi space. And what's so funny is that like you know we are now approaching that reality, yeah. but but the idea was there and like you know. Like yeah. 1950, 1960, they were like, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. And it's almost like the reality has to catch up with the ideas, but the technology wasn't there. I mean, they were like, you know. Totally. And but now I, we're at a place where like that's becoming a reality, which is so cool to see because the ideas are there. But sometimes yeah. you have to wait for the technology to come. So it's super interesting. And sometimes the tech is, is too fast in a way. Um, there's a great story I heard the other day about how when the elevator was originally created, um, by James Otis, they had to slow it down basically because people were freaked out and they refused to ride in it, even though you'd expect <laughs> that you'd want to go in a fast elevator that gets you somewhere quicker, but they had to slow it down to the speed of stairs basically to get people to understand that they could ride in this thing. So sometimes, um, sometimes the tech needs a little bit more design to it or design thinking to go with it. Um, before I think VR it is in that place right now, right? I mean, AR, it's like they're kind of easing people into it with the Snapchat stuff. But I think VR, I don't think we're, but, we're there yet. I don't know. No, I don't, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think also VR uh, and AR, we – I mean, it's interesting. If you think about like Google Glass, which was which is now almost, I don't know, eight, seven or eight years – or I mean, six or seven years old at this point. Um, it was too far, basically. Like the, yeah. the, the design was a little bit too far, but now – when you reshift and you reposition about, I mean, Google Glass is doing quite well and is is in factories and is being used more in like B two B stuff, mm-hmm. um, and do and they found the right kind of sweet spot about where to implement that. But now a lot of the things that we kind of envisioned that we wanted to do with Google Glass, um, which there's a great video that the Creative Lab did, I think like five years ago about what a day with glass is like. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of those lessons or a lot of those things are now being taken into a lot of the things we see with AR. 
And sometimes we just need the world to kind of catch up to the tech a little bit and to, to be okay with, with, uh, with where it's heading or, or where these things can go before they can actually start to implement it or use it in their day daily life, basically. Yeah. Cool. So uh, the purpose of this podcast is to bridge the gap between entry-level designers and the industry's best. I say that on almost every podcast. People are probably losing their minds now that I say that. Um, but I, uh, I also want to point out that sometimes it can be uh, kind of difficult. Robert, you switch gears here a little bit. Um, it can be kind of difficult finding a job or um, you know breaking into the creative field. And I know that you've worked at some great agencies and you've worked at a lot of different places. Um, mm-hmm. Can you maybe speak to for people that are having a tough time finding a job or you know want to put themselves on a trajectory to work at a place like Google? Um, what are some of the things that you've learned over the years in terms of talking about your work, showing your work? Um, yeah. Do you have any stories of anything that went like you know a train wreck that happened? <laughs> oh, of course, I have many. I have many train wrecks that have happened. Oh, that's awesome. That's comforting. Um, yeah, there's always going to be train wrecks, and you're always going to have to like pick yourself up and kind of move on from it. Um, I guess one of the things so that I can kind of see from from teaching young designers and from uh, I went from, from teaching yeah, yeah from well I, I I teach and also from looking at portfolios and things like that that I kind of see out there is I feel like um, there's not a lot of young designers out there like basically putting the again to talk about the North Star but like to put like this this is the job that I really want or that I really want to go for. Um, I constantly ask my students, like, what do you want to do after school? And a lot of them don't really have great answers. Um, and I think it's, it's not an easy thing, but like write down basically your goals and aspirations of what, what type of job you want. And I think that'll help you better go after that job. Um, 100%. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of the designers I see are just like, I want to do, uh, UI basically, or something like that is what I hear sometimes. I'm like, okay, well, that can be a lot of things. You could do UI for installations in museums, interactive installations, which could lead you down to a place where maybe you're going after a place like local projects or something like that. Some mm-hmm. people who are doing cool interactive visualizations or stuff um, to like that could take you into video games. And there are amazing UI and crazy things that are happening there to it could take you into AR. Like you just need to better understand what type of uh, job or company that you're kind of excited about or what really inspires you. Um, and I think that also can lead from like your interests. Like what are you just interested in general? Are you into media? Are you into news? Are you into sports to come back to that? Uh, are you into tech? Like what are the areas that you're kind of really interested in and you should start to like find and, and map out some of the places that are doing really the work that you really would love to aspire to get to or be a part of. Right. So then you can kind of build up to that. Yeah, Totally. Uh, I mean, you got to start somewhere and you got to have that list. And that's not to say that the very first job that you take, if you're coming right out of school or if you're a young designer is always going to be like, you know, getting your foot right in the door of that place. But you should try to follow in the career path, I guess, of like trying to lead to those areas. So for instance, if I wanted to get a job at EA sports, um, or like a video game company, I don't think I would probably take a job at uh, more of a print design or branding place. Basically, I would try to get into something that's more interactive, uh, to try to lead me down that path rather than like, um, starting something that has nothing to do with it really. Uh, and, and, uh, I think it's also just like about, um, I mean, we talked about it a little bit in the beginning, but like just understanding that you're not just because you don't get that job right away or, uh, 
you know, you can't seem to get your foot in the door there right away. It doesn't mean that a couple of years down the line or something like that, it's, it's unattainable. Um, right. Or that you can't have a conversation with them. Yeah, totally. That's another thing that I'm I, championing that right now. That's my big thing. It's yeah. like, you want to work at Google to go talk to people that work at Google. Like I'm not ready yeah. to work at Google, but we're here. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like it's hard to, to get it if you don't have like a podcast, but it's, it's possible, you know? Well, I mean, your approach is right. If you're a student, you could use that totally to your advantage too. It's just, I mean, people are generally more willing to talk to students because there's nothing. I, I don't know, like they're right. they're not going to be getting like a huge elevator pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and there there are great ways to kind of get your foot in the door and just talk to people. Um, so I mean, yeah, and and to speak about like how you get your foot in the door at various places, um, I think something that they that is frustrating and is not always like taught to you is like a little bit of like networking and kind of like who you know or or how you know them basically um i got a job here pretty much because i had a writer a friend who was a writer um who had been here and i'd applied many like i'd applied not many times but a few times and like hadn't really heard anything just because people are busy you're you're like especially at a place like this you're kind of like you can get a little bit lost in the fold sometimes or something like that, or you just don't really know what's happening internally at a place. Um, and I couldn't seem to get a, get a conversation with anybody from just sending my stuff, even though I think my stuff was good enough. Uh, I got a job from it. So I, I think yeah. that I proved it. But the second that I kind of like realized that like, Oh, I had a friend who I actually went to high school with um, who was here and just setting up like a, like, Hey, how do you like it? Coffee. Um, they basically, it wasn't an interview per se, but it just like helped me realize that like, yeah, this is a place that I really want to be at. Um, and then through word of mouth, basically they allowed to like see my portfolio. And then that obviously kind of like led up to it. So it, it kind of jumped up ahead a little bit. So it's not necessarily, I don't want to make this like a popularity thing or like you got to know everybody or you got to know the right people or anything right. like that, but just, just make connections and make meaningful connections and see, um, you know, if you're, if you're interested in a place, Maybe you don't come about come up or approach it basically of like I want to get a job there, but you approach it basically just a cup of coffee with somebody just to see what the place is like. Um, they might be more receptive to something like that. So, right, uh, I, I would I would try that angle if if you can't seem to possibly get your foot in the door the other way. Yeah, for sure. What are some of the things that um, you know? Obviously, you've had a, a lot of success. You're working at Google. That's a that's a pretty uh, good place to be in your career. Um, is there anything that you could have said to yourself, uh, starting out that would have kind of helped to, to make things a bit easier or is there anything that, you know, comes to mind that like you freaked out about and now that you're a little bit older, you realize had to happen or, you know, part of it, I wish I could go back and tell myself is like, trust, trust the process a little bit and, uh, keep working basically um there were times when uh think you know like time things are gonna things are not things are gonna be tough at some point um things aren't always gonna go completely smoothly or you might not don't get frustrated i guess is like another thing these are just kind of like i guess bigger statements um the one thing i kind of wish i could go back and kind of tell myself is to just like keep learning as much as possible a little bit yeah. uh, you get out of school and you kind of expect like, okay, well now I'm a designer and I just go in there and I'm, I expect to know exactly what to do. Um, but you don't really realize that like a lot of it comes from learning on the job basically or learning kind of after. And there's a lot of growing pains that come along with that. Um, but also just like keeping, 
yourself immer immersed in uh, whatever type of work you kind of want to do. So if you're interested in tech, there's a lot of crazy new technology and things like that that's constantly coming out. Um, and it's important to try to like keep yourself learning a lot of that stuff and keep yourself um, kind of like spry within a lot of that stuff, like exercises basically. Yeah. Uh, design is a lot of, in a lot of ways like uh, like athletics or something like that where the more that you practice, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. Um, there's the argument of like or the saying of like 10,000 hours basically and to become an expert in something and mm -hmm. it's, it's really true. Uh, and it's not to say now that I'm like a better designer than I was 10 years ago or anything like that. Um, you know, it, I'd hope I am. I, I think I know I am, but, uh, <laughs> so one modest. The, <laughs> well, well, one of the things that kind of like comes over time is just like you make decisions quicker and you learn to trust the pro like trust your decision-making. Um, there was like a lot intuition of intuition sort of thing, like your gut. Yeah. 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 There's times when I was a younger designer that like, I feel like I would start out and make 25 versions of something. And, at this point in my career, I don't really have that opportunity. I have less and less time to design. Um, it's important to really just trust and uh, get things out on out there as quickly as possible, and then like kind of reiterate and react to them over time. Um, yeah. But I make decisions quicker, and I trust kind of like my instinct with the decisions that I'm making a lot quicker um, yeah. these days, which is something that I think takes time, just in general. And that that's that's the lesson, I guess. That's that's hard to understand or hard to like kind of tell yourself when you're younger. It's just like, it just kind of takes time, a yeah. bit, which is frustrating, but yeah. Um, well, I yeah. Kinda, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, no, sorry, I was, I was finished with it. No, it's all good. Um, it's so funny that you say that about like your, your gut and your intuition. Cause I've been really thinking about this a lot lately, uh, in my own journey. Um, it's, it's weird because in my heart of hearts and my intuition and my gut, whatever you want to call it, it's like, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. And I, I think that that's a gift to have that because I think a lot of people would, would doubt it. But sometimes I, it's like a gift and a curse though, because sometimes it's like, am, am I dreaming? Is this too lofty? Am I aspiring for too much? But then, because it's like, I see my friends and like they, I have friends that are in positions where they're like, they're art directors at places that like no one's heard about and they're making money and they're like, you know, they're going out and they're like having fun. Mm -hmm. But it's like, for me, it's like my eye is on the North star always. And it's like, you know, I have like, literally there's like four places that I want to work at. I think probably be in my best interest not to say them, but like, you know, there's like four or five places that I really want to work at. And as far as I'm concerned, like that is my only objective is, is like working there. And I know that I'm on a trajectory to work at places like that, but it's weird because it's like in my intuition and my gut and based on the work that I'm doing, I know that I'm heading towards that. But then mm -hmm. at the same time though, it's like, I look at my friends and they are financially, they're much more set up. It seems like it's a much easier life, but I know that I want to be true to myself. But mm -hmm. at what point is that being delusional? Because it's like, if I don't, if I don't, in my mind, if I don't invest a hundred percent into going that route and working at these places that I am wildly passionate about working at, if I don't pursue that and I just go for the safe route, I'm afraid that it doesn't happen. And I, I can't live with that, but I'm also yeah. in a position where I'm like, you know, my my rational mind is like Rob. What the fuck are you doing? Like this is insane. You know, it's weird. It's a it's a fine line. And I, I spent a day in the city yesterday, just like thinking. I was literally like sitting in Washington Square Park, just like 
what am I doing with my life? Like, where, where does this end? Like, what, you know, it's weird. How do you navigate those times when, when the dream is within reach, but yeah. you're not there yet, and your friends are succeeding because they're kind of just taking a more practical approach? It's very first off, you, first you, you can't compare yourself to other people. That's just never going to be, Yeah. Uh, it's never going to be helpful to you or anything like that. Um, it's never going to be beneficial to you. Like if I, I mean, if I compared myself to other people, there are certainly people who are younger than me who are doing either bigger things or in blogs or, or whatever. Right. You just can't pay attention to that stuff. You have to follow and be confident with the path that you're going on and you have to to know. I mean, you sound like you're in a great place in the fact that you know you have a, like a vision in mind of where you'd like to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I was kind of the same way to a degree, um, though it like took many winding paths and things like that. Um, and... I think it's just being true to yourself about that stuff and trusting the process again, trusting that, you know, you're, you're getting in your, you're getting in your reps basically to, to get to the place that you want to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, the great thing about design is like you can continually evolve or like remake yourself basically, yeah. uh, work that you're kind of like presenting to people. Um, just because you're coming out with a portfolio right now, uh, and maybe you're not getting to work on some of the clients or things that you want to work on it's a crazy industry where like you can just do some work basically for fun and imagine that you're working for some company basically and make that work. And who's to say, like you obviously can't say it's a real client or anything like that, but you can right. just say it's a tech worker or like something that you just wanted to try your hand at. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's great. I mean, we obviously, when I sit in interviews and somebody has done something for Google, um, or, you know, thought of a project in school that's more Google related, like my ears perk up a little bit because yeah. it's very, to home and it's things that I know. Right. Um, so I mean, there's no reason to say that like you know the jobs or the careers that that you want to go after making stuff that gets you in that world, even if the day to day job that you're in doesn't necessarily fulfill that. Um, just keep making stuff. Just keep doing stuff uh, outside of it as best as outside of your job if you need to be. That kind of gets you to those areas. Um, and you know, build that work ethic. Build that like kind of. Uh, you know, never sleep kind of <laughs> mentality a little bit. Definitely not, have that. It's not always going to be like that. Um, I sleep a lot more now <laughs> than I used to, um, which is really important. But well, I mean, I'm just trying to like, you know, I'm trying to push it and like as hard as I can. Yeah, which is great. I, mean, I know I can't work any harder. That's a good feeling. Yeah. that And, and that's all you can kind of do is, I mean, you will continue to get better the more that you work at something. Um, the more that you uh, – you know, admire basically or, or surround yourself by people or, or look at work that you really kind of aspire or really kind of envision like getting to. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, that was like that great realization of like, wow, I want to make work like this was uh, the day that I picked up like Tibor Kalman's book and just was like, wow, this is so intelligent, so point of view, has humor. Um, and I can like, I don't know him, but I know who he is from his work. Mm-hmm. And I really like that's the kind of work I dream of doing basically is having work with a with a personality that touches a lot of people that does social good um, and just is like is classic is timeless. And uh, that was the day that I think I uh, the book that I picked up and I, I'd recommend everybody go read that book like yeah, the man. Yeah. Yeah. From start to finish. And, um, you know, I've been fortunate at least with some of the jobs that I've had to at least learn from people who are either under him or work with people who are under him, which is just great. Cause I love hearing stories about the way that he was and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, 
but just the more that you can like kind of surround yourself by work that, and, and really like find work that you really admire. Um, and I don't mean that by like go to, you know, a blog or dribble and just like kind of replicate work or stuff like that. Like you kind of need to like understand what's good work and what's work that has like a soul to it versus just work that's just looks good basically. Yeah, totally. uh, and to be honest, a lot of portfolios or too many things that I see, uh, or students that I see are just replicating things that look good without really understanding why these work or why, um, and I think it's a little bit like I'm, I'm a little bit less, uh, odd by the way that things look. There's certainly always going to be like, things should look good. And I'm a designer. I want my world to like kind of look good and everything like that. But I want my word world to like function and to really make sense and be the right thing. And that that is the design decision that you made because it's the right design decision versus just like, Oh, I use this color because, or I made this thing because I saw some images or something like right. that. that looked um, so, well, so much of it, I think, is like composition, right? So much of it, it's like, yeah, like uh, I was just talking yesterday to Jonathan Carrera at uh, Red Antler, and we were talking about, you know, um, the work being simplistic, and uh, you know, like we were talking about, like the uh, we actually talked about two case studies, like the film Independent and Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, um, or the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and yeah. uh, you know, like one of the things that he said about that was great about the work that he did both at Pentagram and at Red Antler is that like, you know, people will say that it's, it's like simplistic colors and, and everything is, but the composition is like the backbone of it. So it's like, while the colors and the typography are great, what's really working is, is the fundamental, having a really solid understanding of the fundamentals of composition. So it's like, well, a young yeah. designer might see that and be like, I love that color. I love that typeface. Let me try and do this thing. If the composition is not there, it's like, you know, that is like the bread and butter of what is making it work. So if you were to kind of replicate that and just kind of take those existing elements and do your own thing without any thought to that. So I thought yeah. that was a really interesting kind of insight on that. So, Yeah. Um, and when it comes to making like digital products, uh, a lot of it is like I get pride out of like moving a user through an experience um or like uh making a user have like moments of joy or something like that through an experience like i mean to me one of the prouder things i've ever done is like i've worked on uh, a vr platform here at google for classrooms uh and it was great to work on it was really fun it was everything from like branding to ux to uh systems design to um like launching the thing and how it went out in the marketplace and things like that. Uh, but one of the, like the proudest moments was just like the day that I actually got to like go do live classroom sit-ins and just see these kids like actually light up about the stuff that you were doing. Yeah. And teacher without me standing over her or giving her instructions about how to move a student through a very complex experience, um, just walk through it. Uh, that to me is like the sign of success for a design project. I'm not like, it, it can look great, but like if it achieves the goal that it was set out to do or solves the problem that it was set out to do, that to me is almost more important than the icing on the cake of like how it looks basically. Cause I still, that should look good, but I'm looking for stuff that has meat below it basically. Yeah. And has a reason for the way that it's made out or the way that it's designed. And then seeing people use that in the real world. I want, that's an experience that I have not had yet, but I really, um, I've had some cool experiences with this podcast, but like people talking to me about like, how it changed their life or how they did this thing or they sent this email. Like, that's pretty cool. But like that, that to me, it would be like the, and I'm sure like you get to see this a lot, like at Google, like when something goes to market 
And then, like, for example, like, my friend Rich, uh, too, worked at Nike, and he worked on these shoes, um, these Kyrie Irving shoes that were, like, these macaroni and cheese shoes that he made. And they were so cool. And, like, I remember when he put, put them out, and I sent him a picture uh, of my friend's kid was wearing them on the first day of school, or the first day of kindergarten wearing those shoes. And he yeah. said, like, that was just, like, so cool to see. Because it's yeah. like you make them and you're, and you're hoping that, you know, you're doing all, like, these market tests and all these different things. But yeah. when you see it in the real world, that's everything. I want that. I haven't had that yet, but in, in like, due time. Uh, yeah, or like, I mean, uh, you said that you're, like, a huge fan of Gboard or it's, like, affected or helped you out in some ways or something yeah. like that. That is way cooler than, like, uh, I don't know. A Clio. Uh, <laughs> yeah, design award or like whatever. Like that, that to me is a, is a bigger success uh, when we make products or make experiences that people really almost become like you're you're trying to create an experience that like people become evangelists for whatever you're doing, mm -hmm. um, or the product or go tell somebody else uh, that you got to try this product basically or you got to use this thing um, without us putting out an advertisement that says like you know try this or like do, like that to me is a is a bigger success or, or way cooler thing than like. I don't know, uh, seeing an ad out in public or something that like people are excited. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, I have that with this podcast. It's like by, by the numbers, it's like, it's not that big. And I think that I could, if I wanted to, I could have like, you know, like a, a whole lot more likes, but my, uh, business, it's not really like a, like a official strategy, but my strategy is like, I want to have really meaningful connections with the people that listen to this podcast and then yeah. they can become like, Hey, like check this thing out because like, you know, he wrote back to me. You know what I mean? Like he, he actually like gave a shit. And while like it, it's not like explosive growth, I think eventually it will be because it's like, I, I, I was like humble in my approach and I wanted to like make people evangelists for the podcast and make them want to go out and share it with their friends rather than being somebody who's like, you can't get in, in touch with. And it's just like completely self-serving. So, yeah. Right. That just goes to like the belief of like, just trusting the process and understand that things will, if you have a vision of where things are going to get to, you will, and you keep working hard at it, they will get there. I, I believe in that. That's awesome. Thank you so much, man. It's been so awesome. I know it's been kind of all over the place, but uh, I'm trying to talk about some different things on the podcast, and uh, your insight today has been really killer. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Where can people uh, find you online? Uh, you're very, very low profile. I respect that about you. It's totally cool. Yeah, that's that's got to change. That's like my... Oh, I'll update my site tomorrow. I'll put some work out there. Um, <laughs> you can find me at uh, adamnk.com um, or my terrible handle for almost anything is uh, my last name, Katzmandu22, uh, which is like... <laughs> it I sounds like an AOL screen name. I, it, it, it is. It is, uh, I think, one of the original AOL screen names that I just have never changed. And at this point, it is who I am, basically. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you can find me on, that, on those kind of things, whatever social stuff you try to go do or whatever and uh yeah I'm, I'm available for around awesome dude this has been amazing thank you so much 12 yeah, o'clock right on the dot yeah thanks so much i really appreciate it it was fun to talk i'm, a, I'm a, definitely a fan now so this awesome. Is awesome i appreciate it yeah. man and make sure you say hello to uh, heather and everyone there so i will yeah okay awesome Take Cheers, care. Buddy. thank you very much Big homie, they still be trying, little bro me dog, like I should fall in line, like I should
should alert niggas when I'm about to drop something crazy and not say I'm the greatest of my generation. Like I should be dressing different. Like I should be less aggressive and pessimistic. Like I should be way more nervous and less dismissive. Like I should be on my best behavior and not talk my shit and do it major like the niggas who paid away for us. Like I didn't study the game to the letter and understand that I'm not doing it the same and I'm doing it better. Like I didn't make that clearer this year. Like